0: Folks, as we close out the 2022 year here on the podcast, big, 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 big thanks to a couple of sponsors of mine that have been with me from day one. Steel Products, tout them all the time. And of course, Boyer's Coffee. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit more as we close out the year about uh, what's going on with both of those companies. Uh, For Boyer's Coffee, I get my coffee from them. I have it delivered to the house. I tell you all the time, a couple of clicks on their website at boyerscoffee.com. And you have coffee, voila, within 48 hours on your doorstep. I'm a K-Cup guy. Um, but if you get your uh, coffee other ways, there's so many unbelievable fa- flavors. How about chocolate mousse, coconut cream? Just noticed uh, a couple of those. Uh, and then there's the old staples uh, that I have always in my house Rocky Mountain Thunder, Aspen Gold. So many. Remember, it's brewed at altitude. It's been brewed at altitude uh, since their inception in 1965. They are very community oriented um, they are environmentally conscious they're a great great local company who just so happens to make wonderful coffee so check them out if you haven't already boyerscoffee.com and again, a big thanks to uh to those folks at boyers for being with us since day one on the podcast. And the same goes for my friends at Steel. S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com and SteelDealers.com is how you can uh, get on their website. And their website is vast. They have so many products to help you get the job done around your home. And uh, I came across one just the other day, you know, it's not too far before, you know, spring planting goes on and then into the the summer months and pruning takes place. They have a a GTA 26. It's a garden pruner that's battery operated. There's nothing better than battery products. You grab your your tool of uh, use that day and you're at it. You don't have to mess around with gasoline. If you if you want to, they have those products as well. Uh, you don't have to mess around with the extension cords uh, with electrical products. They have that also if that's your thing. But I love the battery operated uh, products that they have and they have so many. Came across one also today, the pressure washer. They have so many pressure washers and the reason i was thinking about this is my garage is a mess after the recent snowstorms and then the super cold weather i mean your, your garage probably is like mine it's got mud and, and little tiny you know puddles on the floor and you, it's a mess and you need to get rid of it so you get your power washer from steel and of course they have chainsaws and trimmers and mowers and blowers and all that stuff it's steel usa s-t-i-h-l Check them out. And again, big thanks to Steele and Boyers for their continued support of our uh, endeavor here.
1: This week on the Drew Goodman podcast, Drew is reacting to the news of Nathaniel Hackett being fired. And where do the Broncos go next? We'll hear some of Drew's great conversations from 2022, including Big Al, Alfred Williams, Charlie Blackman, Ryan Spilborgs and Jeff Husen, and Wynton Bernard. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is. Is the drew Goodman podcast and an official
0: welcome in to the final show of two thousand and twenty two and we're gonna do as we did last week a best of show this week kind of a best of uh interviews conversations that uh, we had on the podcast throughout the year um some moments that uh I thought uh, we could Look back upon and uh, that you would enjoy. We'll hear from Alfred Williams. Big Al uh, is never shy on opinions. And there was a lot to sound off on in 2022. Chuck Nasty, Charlie, always one of the more interesting subjects in our region. And uh, we'll reflect back on a conversation we had with Charlie not all that long ago. My good buddies, my partners throughout the summer, Ryan Spielborgs and Jeff Houston, the uh, Spilly and Huey show. <laughs> You'll get a kick out of that. And maybe the, the best feel-good story of the summer, certainly uh, concerning the Rockies, and that was Wynton Bernard, the 31-year-old who, after 11 years in the minor leagues, finally got an opportunity to play in the big leagues. And he took great advantage of it. And what a terrific young man and a, and a, and a marvelous story to boot. So you'll hear from Wynton Bernard on uh, this kind of year-end best of part two uh, program as well. All right. Um we move on very quickly to the uh, the news of the week, and this was not, I guess, unexpected. And that was the removal of Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, it, it's interesting how this thing unfolded uh, mid-season with the way things were going. Uh, People were starting to say, you know, Nathaniel Hackey, he may not uh, he may not be back for for a year two, may not want him back for a second year with what was transpiring on the football field. And then The Broncos, after being way behind against Kansas City, made a valiant uh, comeback, made that thing very interesting late, and then they beat Arizona at home. People are saying, well, you know what? They're getting a little bit better. Uh, Let's pump the brakes a little bit on Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, Maybe he gets a second year. And then... The Rams game in LA happened. A Rams team that, yes, defending Super Bowl champions, but they've dealt with a lot of injuries, as had the Broncos. Uh, and, and they came in with the same record as the Broncos, four and 10, and they blew out the Broncos. They hung 51 points on them. You had the Randy Gregory situation on a couple of occasions, uh, throwing his helmet and the, uh, altercation after the game. You had Dalton Reisner uh, getting into it momentarily with Brett Rippon. Uh, It was, by my estimation, third or fourth time you'd had kind of a sideline situation during the season, and it made going forward with Nathaniel Hackett as head coach untenable. You had to make a move. And that's what the ownership group, Rob Walton, Penner, uh, that's what they decided to do. And ultimately, it was the right move because... You're going to do it It after that game. It became clear you're going to do it at the end of the year. You might as well do it right now and get a head start on looking for the next head coach. This thing has become a debacle for years and years and years. I need not tell you that the Denver Broncos were the, you know, the class of the NFL, the model franchise, even when they didn't win a Super Bowl. And it took them a while to win a Super Bowl, but in terms of their overall consistency, in terms of being not only competitive but a typically uh, typically a, a playoff team, they were the model franchise under Pat Bolin. And we know, without rehashing, the last six years or seven years now it has been uh, very difficult to watch. They've run through a number of head coaches. They've run through a number of quarterbacks since Peyton Manning uh, took his talents to the small and large screen as a uh, pitch man, and comedian, and uh, just an overall <laughs> fun guy to have on your television screen. But anyhow, they've, they've run through coaches and in, in quarterbacks, and now they're going to have another coach. Before we talk about who that person may be, with Nathaniel Hackett, you watch and you said, good guy, By all, anybody who's met him, um, and I don't know him, uh, but anybody who's spent time around him, and I know a number of people have, think he's a terrific guy, and he really cares about his players and being liked, which you want somebody to care about the players. um. I think being liked and being their friend in sports has to be secondary. But Nathaniel Hackett dug his own grave. I mean, think about it. Um, he was having trouble managing the games. So very early on, he hires somebody to be the the coach of, you know, in-game decisions, right? And then a few weeks later, when he was originally hired because he was well thought of offensively. Most recently, working with Aaron Rodgers, that um, you know that's why he that's one of the main reasons he got the job. And he's a, a good play caller. And he takes a step back from that and hands those duties to Clint Kubiak. So you, you're a head coach. You're supposed to be able to manage a game. You got to make critical decisions in in the moment. Within a couple of weeks of being the head coach. He removes himself or I don't want to say removes himself from from those duties, but he gets significant help in that they have to hire a veteran coach to help him and sit upstairs, who ironically is now the interim coach. And then you're hired to be this offensive guru in addition to being the head coach and the play caller and you give up those duties so he dug his own grave i mean if you're sitting there in an ownership group and you're not winning games and you're saying all right what is my head coach what is he bringing to the table right now well he's supposed to be able to manage the game well he wasn't doing that very well so you got somebody else um he's supposed to be a great play caller Uh, that wasn't working out so he handed those duties to the quarterback coach what's he doing and then we have guys fighting on the sideline. the optics of it were terrible. They were terrible, and they were forced uh, to make a move. And as I'm sure you've read by now, only the fifth time in the history of the National Football League that a coach was fired in his first year. You just don't see that. You do not see that. Now, who will be the new coach? For me, and this is pretty obvious, the next head coach of the Broncos cannot be like the three his three predecessors, in that his three predecessors were all first time head coaches, including Vic Fangio, who had been around a long, long time and waited his turn and finally got an opportunity. It almost certainly has to be someone who has been a head coach, who understands what that role encompasses from leading a football team to standing in front of the entire football team to handling the media during the week and after the game. It can't be somebody you think has all of the attributes to be a head coach and to be a great leader. The Broncos cannot afford to miss and have somebody who's making mistakes based on their naivety of having never done it before. So they have to hire somebody who's been a head coach. Now, the, the biggest name out there, Sean Payton. Sean Payton has a great record as a head coach with New Orleans. I understand that. But I don't know how doable that is. The Broncos, as you know, gave up a lot of draft capital to get Russell Wilson, and we'll get to that in a moment. So, to, Sean Payton's under contract still, even though he's not coaching in New Orleans. You'd have to give up, you know, you want to look at the John Gruden deal from a few years ago when the Raiders gave up, I think, what was it, a couple of ones, a couple of twos, not to mention, I think there was a third round pick in there, not to mention, uh, they they paid him a hundred million dollars over ten years. We know how that one turned out. I I just don't see the Broncos doing that. It just doesn't make sense to me. So there are other guys out there. Dan Quinn, who interviewed for the job, current defensive coordinator uh, with Dallas. You know, head coach of Atlanta. Leslie Frazier's been a head coach. I mean, th- there are other there are other names out there. And I also don't subscribe if you're going to dismiss someone like. Leslie Frazier, Dan Quinn say, well, they are from the defensive side of the ball. Defense, by and large, last week aside, has been pretty good for the Broncos this year. A lot of good players still on the defensive side of the ball. We need an offensive guy. No, you don't. You've heard me pontificate on this in the past. You do not need a head coach from the side of the ball that you are weakest. You need a leader of men. You need a somebody who's going to bring accountability, discipline, organization, and and help to build the culture. The culture singularly does not come from the head coach. It ultimately comes from the guys in that locker room. But you need a leader. Now, do you need to change some things offensively? Absolutely. Clearly. Obviously. They have the worst offense in football. But that can be the offensive coordinator and his staff. That's where that begins. Give me a leader of men and give me, in this case with the Broncos this time around, somebody who's done it before. Unfortunately, um, coaches that may be great head coaches and have not been head coaches yet, they can apply And the Broncos can go through the obligatory interviews, maybe, of said candidates, but they, in this particular situation, need to hire somebody who's been there, done that. And that's because of the failure of the last three, most recently, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I heard some people out there on, on, you know, in the industry, in the media, who suggest, well, this this is a bad job. A lot of coaches don't want this job. First of all, dumbass statement. Dumbass statement. This is one of 32 jobs available in the world to be the head coach of a National Football League team. So don't tell me that it's not a desirable job. It sure as shit is a desirable job. Historically, as we talked about a few moments ago, the Broncos have been a great franchise. They also have a new ownership group who, by the way, I know there's a salary cap, but are the wealthiest owners in football. That's not a bad place to start. You have a lot of good people on defense. You have some pieces on offense. You have to fix Russell Wilson. Again, we'll get to that momentarily. But don't tell me that it's an awful job. Guess what? Every job that comes up has warts. The job would not be available if things were going along at a wonderful pace for that particular team. Head coaching jobs in any sport come available because the team's not performing well. On occasion, somebody walks away. Well, I don't see Andy Reid walking away from Kansas City to go fishing, and therefore that becomes uh, the best job out there. So the jobs that become open, and the Broncos are the first. They have issues, but don't tell me it's not a good job. They're all good jobs. You're gonna get paid millions of dollars to be the head coach of a National Football League team, and this thing isn't stripped down bare. Yes, there are cap issues. Yes, there's draft capital issues, but it's still a it's still a desirable spot. Now to Russell Wilson. <clears throat> I respect the hell out of and always have from afar, Russell Wilson. It goes back to when he was in college, at first at NC State, and then when he did his last year uh, at Wisconsin. I've told this story before. Um, I think he was at Wisconsin for 10 days and he was elected captain. He had, he had he, great leadership skills in addition to being you know very talented and we saw a tremendous run for him a Hall of Fame decade for him in Seattle nine Pro Bowls uh two Super Bowls went one and one in the Super Bowls probably should have been two and0 oh, as we know um and, and then he then he came to Denver Russell Wilson we know this about him relentlessly positive respect that He is a very devout guy. I respect that. He is extremely philanthropic and giving. World of respect for that. All of those things are marvelous. And I mean marvelous attributes. And all of those things... And when they're out there for everyone to see, whether you're at the podium articulating them or it's on social media or by some other means, it's all well and good when you're winning. Like most things, you're going to put up with a lot when you're winning. But when you're not winning and when you individually are struggling, some of those things become onerous, and you want to say enough is enough, just go play football. All right. Stop telling me, you know, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to dig out of this ditch and, and every day I wake up, it's, it's wonderful. That's great. Those are great, man. I'm not trying to make fun of it. It's great to think that way. You need to think that way. You need to have the, the toughness that when you get knocked down, you're going to get back up. I have mad respect for all of that. I just don't want to hear it anymore. I don't think anybody else does on the outside. And you get the feeling in talking to people who are in the know inside that locker room. It starts to wear thin. Other things that probably wear thin, quite frankly, you have your own office on the coach's level. Uh, you know ex, you have your own quarterback coach on the sideline not not game day but you know off off to the side at practice. Russell needs to have his own personal come to Jesus meeting. I don't think he is washed up. I think he has declined. I don't think he moves as well I think that's pretty clear and he's always had good legs. I still think he can move the football with his legs when things break down, and even occasionally by design. But Russell has to look at where his skill set is based on what he did this year, and that's a lot of information to digest this year, and again, have his own personal come to Jesus meeting and say, okay, here's what I do well still, and here's maybe what I used to do well, but it's been compromised some, and make proper adjustments. Not hold the football as long. Take the check down. Pick up four or five yards with my legs and live for the next down. It also takes me to another point that's been thrown out there, whether it be in social media by other media members or fans that You know, the Broncos should shut Russell down the next two weeks. Totally disagree. Russell Wilson's confidence has been shaken. And one of the amazing things about athletics, especially at its highest level, you would think a guy, again, who has put together a Hall of Fame resume, how could you shake his confidence? I give you Mike Trout as an example. Mike Trout this summer, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retires tomorrow. Mike Trout suffered through, I believe it was an 0 for 26 stretch. And he had another stretch where he was like 1 for 22. And he was searching. Even the best of the best of the best have their confidence shaken. And no matter what Russell Wilson says at the podium post game, or when he meets with the media midweek... His confidence has been shaken. And therefore, these last couple of ball games, though meaningless in the grand scheme of things, are of the utmost importance to Russell Wilson individually to get some confidence back going to that offseason. To say, all right, I put together you know two pretty good games in a horrible season. That's important. As opposed to, you know, just sitting there and watching. And that's assuming he's healthy enough to play. And he was healthy enough last week. If he's healthy enough to play, he needs to play. So he can go into that offseason, hopefully, with a little bit of feel good based on performance in his final couple of games. And it may not be great across the board in his final couple of games, but if he can put together, you know... Several solid sequences. It gives him something to build upon as he reevaluates, you know, where he is in his mid thirties in year two with the Broncos. So I think again, it's, it's really important that he plays these final couple of weeks. That's uh, you know, that's my two cents or four cents or whatever the heck it's worth. Um, on the Broncos uh, going into looking for this new head coach and where they are with Russell Wilson. Again, I don't think he's washed up. I don't think you're, I don't think he's going to be the the 2015 Russell Wilson again. Um, but I think he can be you know good enough going forward. But but some of it's going to begin with him and also the next head coach. He, it's got to be – my buddy Troy Rank, uh, I believe he said this. I'm going to attribute it to him. The, the next head coach has to make sure that it's about us, not Russ. And a lot less of Russ at the podium talking about let's ride and I've been knocked down. We get all that, all right? Just go play football. Go play football well as, as, a, as one of the 53 that suit up every Sunday. All right, on to our best of part two. And I mentioned this earlier, you're going to hear from Alfred Williams, from Chuck Nasty, from my partners Spilly and Huey, and uh, one of the great feel-good stories of uh, 2022, uh, certainly for the Rockies, Wynton Bernard. So we're going to do that right now as we reflect back on uh, on some of the interviews we did on the podcast during this year. Enjoy, everybody. Hugh, let me start with you. What is the most endearing quality you think of, of, about Ryan's spillboards?
1: I think when he brings me coffee, I think that's the best that anybody could ask for because he doesn't do it very often. So when he does, it, it, it just shocks me.
0: I don't think he has an endearing quality. What do you think your most endearing quality is? We're not going to ask you about it, either one of us.
2: I think my most endearing quality is when I text people if they want a coffee, (laughs) and I'll go get it for them. Yeah, so would you like a coffee, Huey? I'll go get you a coffee because I know Allison wants one, and all of our our entire crew wants it. Okay, so I'll be back. What
0: gets you most excited moving forward about the Colorado Rockies? I'll start with you, Huey.
1: Well, when I, th- I look at a couple of the young guys that just came up, and I'm talking about Tolia and, of course, Tovar. When I look at those two guys, because you look at the talent level, you see glimpses of it right now. Obviously, they're not a, a finished product. But when I look at those two guys, you could definitely say, okay, those are bona fide major leaguers that are going to be impact type of players and not just uh, fringy guys. So for me, when I look at those two, that, that really jumps off the page i would
2: say the same thing too i mean tolia and tovar are two really kind of interesting players i i'm also i've enjoyed seeing uh, bouchard play i like the walk i think the walk is probably the most important aspect about the rockies team that we haven't seen because everybody wants power well you can control the strike zone you can't always generate power so a walk is important that's why the dodgers are so good and the astros are so good so i'm I just feel like organizationally, you're in a place where you can start to kind of cater your team towards those those numbers, power and walk.
0: Okay, I said excited. Now I'm going to ask you, it sounds similar, but what makes you most encouraged?
2: Uh, I think there's there's a real sense, and you get this with uh, with young teams, these guys want to play at the major league level i mean this is their chance to be a big leaguer and uh, for some of them it's it's wholesale life changes i think of charlie blackman you know he was a fourth outfielder and then he spent an entire offseason training like he's never done before i hope that that resonates with some of these players that's how you build a winning franchise is in the offseason uh take it upon yourself to get better get get to a level that you never want to go back to the minor league so that's what I'm encouraged about. I just think that the the market and opportunity for some of these players is there if they run with it.
1: Hey to piggyback off of that just watching these guys work each and every day and here we are closing in on the last 10 games of the season and they're still out there working i think to me that that's really the separator when i look at a a kid and see that commitment to continue to finish strong but finish out the season the right way so your your work habits should only get better and when I see some of these young kids, I see the way they, they work. And that is very encouraging to me.
0: All right. The obvious question is, you know, the Rockies are going to finish, you know, a, a distant fifth in the division. What concerns you the most about trying to get back to where they were in 17 and 18?
2: What concerns me is that the Dodgers are better and they're not slowing down. Um Arizona getting better. They're not slowing down. I think the Giants will overhaul, but I think how they went about their process is they're in a good spot. Padres are, I mean, this is the hardest division in baseball. And if you don't adapt and get nimble, and I think organizationally, the Rockies need to look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves if they're in the same category as these other ball clubs. And don't give finances as, a, as an excuse, because it's not. Um, I think the process of it, there's you know there's there's enough sample size that we've seen from other organizations that i think the rockies can catch up and improve
0: very interesting okay the most important question of all as we wrap things up the funniest moment or the moment you remember the most this year from the booth
2: i mean we've had i mean it's it's hard to like pick one because we we do we we have a blast we have a blast together from throwing out Cracker Jacks during the seventh inning stretch because I try to kill people with them. What did you throw? You threw something on the
0: road that I thought you were going to lose your job, and I can't remember what city we were in, but it was not something that should have been thrown. It was food, but it was heavy food.
2: Yeah, so, I mean,
0: we left them threw be- like an apple out. I was, I was like, what are you doing, dude? People are
1: they're not even facing us. threw like a Granny Smith apple out at Wrigley. It was Ryan Spielborg's. I always like when the fanatic comes in and dumps popcorn all over the booth. I think that is hilarious. Or Rosie Red when she comes up. Because you turn bright reds, Billy. And that, that, to me, is one of the best. I, yeah, I am in love
2: with her. I, there's no <laughs> question. Except uh, Mrs. Met this year, she made, a, she made a pass with Mr. Met right there. And she's moved up. In the
0: <laughs> it's kind of an uncomfortable thing. Right? It was exactly. uncomfortable because right. I know his relationship with Rosie Red and that Mr. Met was there. And... Mrs. Matt, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, he, Spilly has a, a thing for creatures.
1: <laughs> but I think the thing that, that people don't get to see is the fun we have as a group. The... I hope they see it on the air, though, well, a little no, bit. No, exactly, but behind the scenes, when yeah. we're off the air, the, the camaraderie, because it's it's fun. I mean, we're our own team, but the jokes that we have with each other and and... So to me, that's what makes his game. Sometimes, when the game's not going the way you want it, or something's happening, we always have each other to, to be able to kind of fall back on.
0: Yeah, well, well, well said. And um, before I tell you how much I love you guys, but you know, uh, you, um, if we could have a sideshow, the um, like during the commercial breaks or pre or post game over beers. I don't know if we'd win any award, but it'd be entertaining.
1: But I think there would be a lot of views on YouTube. (laughs) I think we'd get some there, maybe some uh, some good laughs.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, off the field, we we, we enjoy spending our times with each other. And uh, we're probably, yeah, for the most part, we're mostly civilized. Mostly. Mostly (laughs) Mostly civilized.
0: (laughs) I think you is the most civilized. I'm number 2 and you are you That's That's- you are like you're like Gracie, you're never going to win the race down in Arizona. See you boys. Have a great off season. I'll talk to you on March 1st.
2: Up next, the one and only Charlie Blackman.
0: Let's just start overall. When you look at where the club is right now, do you go, man? so frustrating or, or how do you assess it in your own mind as, as typically you get ready to play every day?
3: Um, you know I think it's I think it's tough right like right now this moment today as we sit here like we've got we're missing a lot of pieces from our lineup. Uh, you know Rogers isn't in there uh, we're, we're missing Chris Bryant which is you know that, that kind of changes our lineup not having him in there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be in there today. So I think, I mean, I think that just changes things when you're looking at, you know, a handful of your top hitters not, not being in the lineup.
1: When you
0: look at where you've been, cause you've been here a long time, 17, 18, really good years, postseason years, 18 closest the clubs ever coming, ever, ever come to winning the division. Um, do you feel like, hey, we can get back there it doesn't have to be a, a long process or do you look at it differently?
3: Yeah, I think there' that's certainly uh, possible, right like I, I think I think there's some organizations that are just going to consistently be able to have the the best players due to just they're they're signing more of those guys. and then there's you know teams that I think, have to be a little more deliberate with how they plan things out. And I think that's kind of what we are, but, um, but I I certainly don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because if you look at teams, for example, the giants last year were historically good and they just, I mean, I think they got, they caught lightning in a bottle, right? They signed a bunch of one-year contracts and those guys went out and played amazing, you know, uh, D. on the mound, uh, Alex Wood had a great year, you know. Um, all of their guys had career years, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, uh, career years at the plate with homers. And, and this year it's largely the same team, right? And they aren't nearly as good as they were uh, last year. So I think, I mean, I think it's just, you know, that's why you play the game, right? The Rockies are a good team if everybody plays well. Uh, but a lot of teams could say that, you know, and I, th- I think I think we certainly have a little bit more of a health component historically than other teams do, too.
0: When you look at some of the young guys and, and some of the fellows that have come up lately, do you get excited or do you say, okay, got potential, but it's a long process to becoming a day-in and day-out impactful big leaguer? I will say, for, you know, from some of the-
3: some of the things I've seen from these guys, right. Uh, Toglia certainly seemed to s- play really well early. I think he's making some adjustments now. Um, you know, having t- out of necessity, he, he's going to have to make some adjustments, um, better defender than I thought he was. Um, it, you know, Ezekiel Tovar is so young and he looks, he looks comfortable already and he's, you know, gotten some hits and he's, an athletic shortstop, you know, I, I'm really encouraged at, at where he's at, at, you know, considering his age, and I think he'll be a good player. And then, um, you know, even Bouchard right now, who doesn't really wow you, uh, being super young or, or you know with crazy tools, he he still is uh, is having a, a very polished at bat right now, and, and his on-base percentage is really high. He's walking a lot. He's not swinging at balls. And, um, you know, I think there's some pieces there that are going to help us in the future. What do you try to impart to those guys in, in
0: private moments?
3: The game is really hard, uh, and, and you're not going to have success every day, right? Like that's not realistic for most guys. Uh, but I do think you can manage the ups and downs a little bit better, right? You can you can limit your 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 valleys and try not to get too high on your peaks and and just kind of keep making your adjustments along the way um, and, and a lot of times it's it's a small adjustment here a small adjustment there but over time i think those help you learn more about yourself and help you play more consistently
0: when you look at your own career and you're a young guy in the grand scheme of things you're a young guy athletically people say oh man he's, he's on the other side of 35 do you feel that way? Do you look at it uh, from some sort of existential baseball side, or do you just go, "Hey, this is where I am right now, and I'm okay with that"? Um, it's you know, it definitely
3: changes as you as you get older. Uh, the things that you deal with, the things that you think are different than when you're younger. I mean, it's there's there's things now that I have to just live with and deal with, right? And when I was younger. You, you didn't even think of those. Um, and so this is a very soft answer I'm giving you. But I, I still think, you know, the, the ability is going to be there. Um, it's just, you know, what does it look like further down the road? Um, you know, I can't go out there and feel 110% uh, consistently every day. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be competitive and be a productive player. I think it just kinda of means you've got to recalibrate your sights a little bit. Like you, you can still have quality bats and still um, help the team win and still, you know, be a good teammate. Now does that mean I'm gonna go out there and steal forty something bases? I mean, you know, probably not.
0: Yeah, when you, when you look at last year versus this year I think at one point I remember saying this on the air a bunch of times you know for what it's worth you were on pace to hit you know 25 to 30 homers and and I know the season's gonna end at 16 last year was it it was 13 I know homers isn't everything but you made a conscious effort I'm regurgitating something you told me to you know to try to pull the baseball a little bit more and, and, and attack pitches on the inner half are you pleased with what you accomplished this year? How do you assess where you are individually?
3: I mean, no, not really. I would have liked to play a lot better. Um, I do think I adjusted to DHing pretty well. I think I, I think I spent more time feeling like I was better than the results showed. Right? Like I felt like I was doing everything right, and I would, you know, finally get the right pitch to swing and feel good about my swing, and like just miss it, or you know, just uh, you you know, hit it right at somebody. Um, and, and usually it's like, Hey, you know what? I I probably shouldn't change much. If I do the same thing again, I'll likely be rewarded. And I, I felt like I spent a lot of time in that mode and, and didn't really get rewarded for it. And so, you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's bad luck, you know, Maybe that's part of aging. I, you know, I don't know, but there were a lot more times that I got out this year where I felt like I, I shouldn't change anything than
0: in the past. Does the game bring you the same joy it did when we first saw you in Atlanta, Georgia, as a you know as a rookie? Yeah, I,
3: I think so. It, it's 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 still so hard to play, and so when you when you do have success, it's really rewarding. Um, and I think it's more rewarding, you know carrying a a stronger role in the organization, you know, as someone who has a little more influence on younger players or uh, the offense as a whole. I think uh, that makes success more rewarding for me.
1: Up next, Big Al, Alfred Williams.
0: Did you always have an eye toward getting into – broadcasting, the media, talk shows, where did that come from? When did, when did it begin?
4: You know, I I was doing uh, uh, with the masters, I was doing Rick Lewis and um, floor wax when I was playing with the Broncos. And I I, I liked the segments that I did with them, but I never really considered it. I I fancied myself as a tech guy. So when I finished football, um, we got this huge investment and I started a data center and I thought I was going to be in technology for the rest of my days. And then, um, you know, we had a, we had a, a meltdown, and that kind of pushed me into a new direction. And I got in the radio. Uh, just that's something to do, just to quite quite honestly, just so I wasn't getting drunk all day. <laughs> you sit at home, you're retired. You know what else you doing? You know, I'm like, I am just like, I'm not gonna just waste my days you know so i started uh doing this show with Scott Hayes from 11 to 1 which is perfect which means that you know if i wanted to have a cocktail i couldn't do it till after 1 you know which was great uh because when you don't have any motivation you know and this is this is some this is some shit that nobody ever talks about like you know when you are young and you have money and you don't have a job that's probably when problems are gonna come that's probably when problems are going to start, you know. Because what else are you doing with your life? Like, what? Once you retired at thirty-one or thirty-two, what else are you doing, Drew? I mean, what? Are you, what? Are you, at thirty-one, think about it, man. When I was twenty, when I was twenty-three, I was the youngest homeowner in my neighborhood. Uh, when I was thirty-one, I was the youngest retired guy that I knew. So, well, what am I doing? I'm waiting for my friends to get off at five o'clock. You know, like it's, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy existence that you don't get training on. You don't get any training on this stuff. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, you, you just don't get any training on how to quit it, you know? And so uh, I went through a deep, dark uh, area of depression where I just didn't know what the hell was going on. And I was just like, you you know, fuck it. I'll just, whenever I feel like having a drink, I'll have it right now. And then I just, you know, radio kind of saved my life. You know, I never told this story before, but I think it kind of saved my life because I was going down a dark, lonely path. And I, I would look forward to my, my time at 11 o'clock to, to refocus and bring some energy and, and some thought to some sport, uh, conversations that probably hadn't been had. So that was my whole outlook on, um, getting into sports is just, you know, give me something to do to break up my day. And then, you know, it became this love affair now. Now I just, I think about it all day. And when you when you are in this business, like you know, you do this all day, every day. It's not, you know, you don't wake up and look at uh, the news, uh, the sporting news of the day. You think about it before you go to sleep. And when you wake up, you just want to confirm that, you know, the game that you may have fell asleep on last night finished finished the way that it did. You want to make sure that, you know, there's no news, there's no news sports stories from you know, roughly around 1 a.m. until 10 a.m. the next day. So that's just a lot of research time that I get to use. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy, um, that I have that man because I'm telling you, it was, I could do it now because more of my friends are retiring. Uh, I can, I could, I could stop and I could probably figure out who I am. But at 31, man, I was a, I was a hot mess, man. I cannot believe I've been doing this now for 23 years.
0: Yeah. And you've been doing it well. And, and Alfred, I, you know what, I appreciate how candid um, you are about this subject because I have often said um, folks like you um, or, or, or people who make a lot of money, let's say in industry, but particularly with athletes, you, you have this unbelievable career. Even, even let's talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady has, you know, he's probably a billionaire by now. Right. And Tom Brady's playing at 45, which nobody's ever seen short of like a George Blanda. Do you know what, when he shuts it down, let's say he shuts it down after this year, you can appreciate this better than anyone. He's a very wealthy 45 year old. Guess what? You can only play so much golf. You can only play so much poker with the boys, right? right. right. You got to have a purpose when you when you get up at seven thirty or eight in the morning, whenever it is. You got to have a purpose. There's more miserable rich guys out there than people realize. I think people who don't have a lot of money think, "Oh man, that'd be great." Oh, Alfred forgot to retire at thirty one. Now what, man? You still got to you got to have a purpose every day.
4: You said it best, and I'll tell you this, man. If, um, you know, there are going to, they're, they're going to be a lot of heartbroken athletes, uh, when they retire. Man, I'm telling you, Drew, man, there was, there was, uh, a stretch there for like two or three years, man. It was, I was, I was done, just done mentally, just, uh, I don't know, it was PTE, just deep dark depression. I, I couldn't get on airplanes. I became claustrophobic. I created. These, uh, the, the enemies out of, out of behind a, a cloak veil somewhere. I mean, I, and listen, man, my mind just went, I went, it went nuts, man. And I had my first panic attack on the surgery table when I was, um, I played in my last game on November, uh, on October 31st of 1999. And I had surgery on my birthday on November 6th of 1999 to repair my Achilles. And I gotta tell you, I had a panic attack that started then, and it stayed with me for some fifteen years. And I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about playing that game, but you will not leave it the same way you came in.
0: Yeah. And I know, I know. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I know some of your kids played. Do you, are you okay? Every other year. Every other year. Every, that's right. I remember you telling me that you wouldn't let them have, con- you know, the physical contact every year. And I've talked to more guys like yourself who made a living playing football, and and you probably know more than I do, certainly, that they're like, no, nope, they're going to play tennis or golf or baseball or, or hoops, whatever it is, but they're not playing football.
4: Yeah, and uh, I've stopped them on that stance, uh, not that I have a grandson. Um But, you know, my son, who knows me as well as anybody, uh, my oldest son, Dominique, he understands my philosophy, and he agrees with me that, you know, kids shouldn't play uh, tackle football until maybe they're in the eighth grade, maybe in the eighth grade, but preferably, uh, you know, a start date as a ninth grader because you can get all the skill sets that you need uh, before you have to put pads on, you know, and you still want the kids to love the game. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that you need to bang on, um, bang on each other at that young age. I didn't, I didn't play tackle football until I was in the ninth grade. I was in the marching band. So, you know, so when people tell me that you have, this is the way it goes, that's, that's not the way it goes. That's, you know, i I've, I've met so many people who started in high school and played years in the NFL. If you can play you can play and you'll figure it out you don't need pads to help complicate a complicated game
0: yeah that's that's interesting and you know, Alfred, it's um, you, you've made the transition. Um, you, you sound great. I was listening to you yesterday, um, and you still have, dude, the most infectious laugh of uh, of anybody uh, that I know. I mean, when you, I was, you started laughing at something yesterday, and I'm driving down the road by myself, and I'm laughing. So if anybody <laughs> saw me yesterday and they looked there and they're going, "Why is he laughing? He must be crazy." Oh man, I tell you what,
4: man. I've heard that statement, man. It's it's it's, it's the only laugh I know, you know. <laughs> so, so, so man, I'm I'm uh I'm I'm so thankful for our friendship, man. We've been we've been friends a, a long time, man. You and I remember you and Dave laughing, just rolling into the stadium to call games back when I was at the University of Colorado, and those friendships have lasted, you know, decades, man. I still talk to Dave and and I still talk to you, and and I love chiming in during the baseball season. During the game, I'm texting you, and you texting me back, man. It's still pretty damn cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to let a little secret out, because about once a year, Big Al will call me, And it'll be you did this. I think it was this year or the year before. You call me like you knew I'm up, so it's like eleven something at night, and you're like, "What's wrong with our club right
4: now?" (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what I'm talking about. So, I don't, you know what? And and so I, I think I know. I'm listening to you. I'm listening to the the broad. And I tell you what, Drew, baseball is beautiful. Now you're talking about. See, I have poor vision. If I had great vision, I would have loved to have played baseball. But this is what I've learned about athletes. And this is something that's not talked about a lot. Those that have great vision have a better chance to be a better athlete because they see things and things are moving quicker, right? And and I talked to a good friend of mine, Todd Hilton, man. We were out playing golf one day, and, of course, I'm hitting the ball and I'm not recognizing where it's going. And I said, "I Todd, said, can you see that? He said, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like 275 yards down on the right, just off the fairway. I said, what's your vision? <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> like, like 2010 or 2015 or something like that. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, man. And so if I could have had that good vision, man, I would have loved to have played baseball, but I, er, I learned early on when I was playing That I didn't I couldn't see the ball. I couldn't see the ball, man, but I love going to the park and I love listening to your broadcast.
0: Well, I I appreciate that. And it's so funny when you real quick, when you mentioned before you Helton came out of your mouth, that's the first guy I thought of because he had, you're right, like twenty ten vision and so he's identifying a pitch, you know, a couple feet sooner than most normal people are able to identify spin and 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 location, etc. So there there's definitely something to that. By the way, man, you could have been Aaron Judge before Aaron Judge cuz <laughs> if I could see the ball, <laughs> right? That's so, all those little things just seeing it, right? Small factors. No small factors. <laughs> Hey, hey, Al, you're the best. Hey, hang on one sec before uh, we wrap this up. I got, I got to shout at you real quick, but um, I, I really appreciate the time, continued success, in everything you do, and, and keep them laughing, brother. Love you, bro. You too, man. Love you.
1: And finally, who's the first person you call when you get called up to the big leagues?
5: Your mom. Mom, I'm going to the major leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, Mama. I promise, Mom. I'm going. Come on. They just told me just now. I did it, Mommy. <laughs> I did it, Mom. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you for everything, Mom. Here's Drew with Winton
0: Bernard. I think whirlwind is probably an adjective that uh,
5: applies to your last four days. Is that fair? That's definitely fair that's definitely fair. whirlwind for sure yeah
0: you've done more interviews i'm
5: guessing in the last week than you've done in how long 11 years yeah 11 years i mean everybody's inspired by the story which i'm super thankful for just to be a part of it you know what i mean inspiring more people i always say like i've been inspired by a lot and so i'm just trying to pay it forward inspire others when you look at take a step back from your own life are,
0: are you blown away by how much attention you've gotten in that? Yeah, it's a unique story. I'm 31. I've been at this craft a long time. But do you feel like there's
5: maybe more to why so many people have gravitated toward you? <sighs> That's hard to say. Um, in the most humble way possible, it's like I think everybody admires uh, hard work. And so I think they can always relate it to their own lives whether you're a doctor, whether you're going to be a lawyer, whether you're going to be a janitor, anything. I mean, you got to work hard to, to do what you want to do. And so I think a lot of people have attested their own testimonies to, to mine, and they feel like they're a part of my journey as well, which I'm super thankful for.
0: Who's the most interesting or surprising person or
5: journalism entity that has reached out to you? Um, I'd probably have to say CBS. CBS. Uh, I did the <laughs> nightly news and it's like, you know, I would watch CBS nightly news, you know, back at home. So that was pretty cool. I think they did that about two days ago. And, you know, even the people on were like, we're so inspired by your story, you know, offset they were saying that stuff. So, yeah. What's been the coolest part of the, the big league journey? I remember obviously watching you. You told me the
0: first day, just walk into the plate. But then I also watched when you walk by on the plane, you know, first time going on a big league charter. Can, can you put in order maybe the
5: things that have been in, in the cool, on the cool list? Yeah, I would say number one would be walking up to the plate for the first time. Uh, that walk up to the plate and get ready for my first at bat. There's no other feeling I've ever had in the whole world, and everybody cheering for me. That was pretty special. Um, number two is probably playing for Buddy Black. Honestly, like you know, I looked up to him growing up. He was uh, he was the manager. He was the manager of the Padres in San Diego. So you know, playing for him and giving him that first hug, that first handshake when I first walked in. And, yeah, walking on the big league plane, getting to the hotel, you know, Charlie Blackman making me stand up in the bus and introduce myself to everybody, tell embarrassing stories. I mean, the past the past few days have just been incredible. So, so can you share some of what Chuck uh, asked you to do? Uh, I mean, he just asked, you know, about my background, about my family growing up. And then he asked if I had any, like, embarrassing minor league stories and, you know, just, just little stuff like that. That's fun. So
0: I want to take you back to the minor leagues because it is a journey, even for, for a first-round pick where there's a lot of money invested. It, it ain't easy, and there's a lot of failure, and there's a lot of long bus rides, and there's a lot of doubting. And at any point in time, did you say, you know what, I gave
5: it my best shot, and I'm, and I'm ready to hang it up? There was never one point, and a lot of people would ask me. I mean, people even close to me, you know, they were starting to mention things like, hey, you should you know, maybe start looking for something else. Or, hey, you know, there, there's a backup plan. You're starting to get older now. And it's crazy. I mean, I mean, there's even people in my family who were mentioning those things. They were trying to look out for the best for me. But at the end of the day, I really feel like the only person who can believe in yourself is you. And to the bottom of my heart, I always believed in myself. I never, I never had any doubts. And I was just going to keep going because... I never felt like I uh, reached my full potential. I just kept getting better and better and better. And so um, I just maintained that same mindset. How about mom? Because
0: mom, correct me if I'm wrong, educator, principal, I I read somewhere, was she
5: a superintendent as well? Yes, superintendent, uh uh-huh.
0: Okay, well, mom with that background at some point, go. okay, my baby boy is 30 plus now. Honey, maybe it's time that, you know, you're really bright young man let's transition was there any conversation from mom in that Uh, regard
5: yeah she would try to try to mention stuff and then I would always immediately like cut her off or you know she would mention it to other people uh, like oh maybe she would ask well do you think it's time for him to you know stop playing and like I said I mean everybody wants the best for their child and I understood where she was coming from but in my heart it came from me knowing that like I'm meant to do this and so like I said I really feel like the only person who can really truly believe in yourself is yourself you can't really listen to everybody else you're gonna write a story at some point you gonna put this down do you keep a journal I do keep a journal and uh I'm starting to jot some stuff down that's already happened but um yeah just keep the story going uh, my favorite line is you just want to be inspirational you've certainly
0: been that man good luck to you in, in in this endeavor and way down the road in future
5: endeavors. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank
0: you. Wynton Bernard moving on in his uh, career and we wish him nothing but the best. Um, what, a, what a wonderful story Winton Bernard uh, was and is. And I, and I do believe that when he decides to hang up the spikes, uh, if he so desires, you know, he can get into coaching and, and or may, or maybe wants to go on a front office path. But but he's going to have a lot of people that I would think give him a phone call because, you know, he he's just it's a winning story. It's a winning story. He's a winning guy. And um, again, that, that was one of the you know, in a very difficult season for the Rockies that. That's one of the more memorable um, parts of the summer for me, and probably for you as well. For for uh, all of you to to get to know Winton Bernard a little bit in his story and to see him have success when he got to the big leagues, and who knows if he'll ever get another opportunity, but he'll always have that uh, to be able to uh, hang on to. You know, we always do this. uh, I think you know, all shows involved in sports, even in news, do this. You know, moments of the year, most uh, you know, most poignant happenings uh, of the year. And so on a, on a smaller scale, I'll, I'll do it regionally. I think the the moment of the year in 2022 is pretty obvious. When you win a championship, it's hard to beat that. And to watch the avalanche and how they rolled through the playoffs and how determined they were to not be eliminated in the second round as it, as had become commonplace for a really talented team. And behind Landeskog and McKinnon and McCar and and Cadre and so many mini stories within the Stanley Cup run, and to be the last one standing and take out a great Tampa Bay Lightning team, and then the ensuing parade, watching that the hoisting of the Stanley Cup and the parade—that is that is number one in our parts for 2022. Uh, really difficult to eclipse that. You know what's interesting I was thinking about this and I was talking to my man Marky about this this morning. Um and a big thanks always to Marky who uh who puts this show together and uh helps produce and engineer and uh, he wears a million different hats and he's the best and just want to give him a shout out again. But um we, we were chatting this morning at, about some of the great moments of of 2022 in, you know, Denver, Colorado and uh the region. And he said, actually, one of the great moments also becomes one of the most dubious moments. And that's how excited people were when the Broncos made the trade for Russell Wilson. The missing piece. Broncos had so much talent defensively, like their receiver room, uh, thought they were good enough offensively. All they needed was a quarterback. That's been all the conversation in the last several years. And they finally had a quarterback. Russell Wilson coming to town. Let's ride. Well, now that storys done a 180 from one of the great stories uh, one of the most uplifting moments of the uh, the year now, uh, it, you know it's the elephant in the room, so to speak. Also thought about this. Um, we have an interesting situation. First of all, we have four uh, major professional teams which, Is terrific. And and we know the Rockies are down. We know the Broncos are down. uh, We know the Avalanche are great. We know the Nuggets have a chance to be great. Boy, I've, I've really enjoyed watching them play of late. But there are three guys in our town. I don't know how many cities can say this. There are three guys in our town that in a given year could be voted or looked upon as the best player in their sport. One has been anointed as such the last two years, and will be in the conversation again this year because he's playing freaking great again, and that's Nikola Jokic, right? And then the other two, and you you know who they are, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. And McKinnon's not going to win the Hart Trophy, emblematic of the best player in hockey this year because he's, he's going to miss too much time. He's getting close to coming back. Uh, but probably unlikely, he's missed a lot of time, didn't score a lot of goals uh, early. But in any given year, Nathan McKinnon could be the best player in hockey. And the same can be said for Kale McCarr, who won the Norris as the best defenseman in hockey. And I know for you hockey aficionados out there, you're saying, well, very, very, very unusual to see a defenseman voted as the MVP uh, in hockey, the Hart Trophy winner. It's happened most recently when Chris Pronger, um, 20 years ago, was voted the uh, Hart Trophy defenseman. And prior to that, in the modern times, it only happened three other times. It was the same dude, Bobby Orr, with the Bruins. They think won three straight years. And that's it. But Mikhail McCar is good enough... As we know that he could be in a given year when you have that everything clicks, he could be a heart Trophy winner. So you have three guys in the same town that could be the best guy in their sport. And um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And we got to get things going with the uh, with the Rockies and uh, with the Broncos going forward. Hey, listen, um, that's going to close out the final show of 2022. Uh, we're into year four on this podcast. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate when people come up to me and say, "Hey, I listen to the podcast," whether it's you know in an airport or you know in a supermarket, and, and mention that. Uh, it means a lot because. I really enjoy doing it. Uh, Marky and I enjoy uh, collaborating on it. And um, it's it's a fun endeavor. And um, I really appreciate your listenership. We had fun in 2022. We're going to have more great interviews and, and good times ahead in 2023 and have serious conversation uh, in addition to hopefully uh, having fun along the way. But uh, a very, very happy new year to all of you out there. And um, I'm glad you were able to uh, check this one out. Any of the uh, the past ones you may have uh, missed, go to the website. So many different ways that you can download some of the interviews from uh, what we've done earlier in the year, from a couple of years ago. Uh, so if you were intrigued by uh, some of the comments, whether from Wynton Bernard or... Uh, Chuck Nasky. Just go back and and pull down one of those uh, interviews, one of those pods as well. Alright, happy, happy new year. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll talk to you in a week, everyone. Take care.